We're going to continue the series that we've been on and off on the precious blood. That's why we're singing about Have You Been to Jesus? And our final hymn will be about the blood. We actually sang that hymn last week. Um, but we're going to sing it again this week because it's about today's message. And we've just been going through... Um, oh, what, what I should say... Um, forgot to say, apologies. Do you want to? Go on. Thank you for the prayers from last week. Thank you. Amen. Brilliant. And we're preaching through this book, which is a book called This Blood's For You by a guy called Tommy Combs, who is from Alabama, a preacher that we we know uh, and uh, are very friendly with and Tommy's prayed for David um, and so there's 39 strikes for your salvation, healing and more so it's really been the basis of our preaching um, in this series on the precious blood so we're just going to continue uh, today let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13 if you've fallen along in your Bibles if not just listen and I think we looked at this the last time but we're just I think I said we're just sort of finish off what we were looking at the last time, Hebrews chapter 13 and verses 20 to 21 and it's so important for us to understand from God's word what it has to say about the blood of Jesus because without that blood being shed we're nowhere Amen? We've nothing it's the blood shed for us and a lot of people don't like talking about bloodshed uh, in this world. A lot of woke people don't like talking about things like the blood of Jesus, amen? But we're not woke, we're awake, aren't we? We're awake, not woke, praise God. So Hebrews 13 verse 20, 21 says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of his everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The blood of Jesus makes us complete. Okay? There's nothing left that you need. You know, um, I don't like when people say, oh, your life sucks. Your, your life, you've a terrible life, um, you've a, you know, the answer to that is to come to Jesus and get saved and get born again and become a Christian. And then when you do that, and then you maybe encounter some difficulties, the same people come to you and say, oh, well, here's what you need to do. Uh, you're not praying enough. You're not going to church enough. You're not giving enough in the collection. Or whatever it is. And then they add, start adding all these rules and regulations and additional things. Because if you don't do these religious rituals and stuff, you ever been to church like that? But it's just always about, you know, you're, not, you're just not good enough, let's be honest. So when they say you're not good enough, they, well, the answer's to get born again. And then when you are born again, it's, they just keep adding religious stuff on you. Well, I don't believe in that. I believe when you're saved, you're wholly saved. You're fully saved. You're completely saved. And it's just the challenge there is to walk in that. That's it. 
Amen? And you maybe have to pray more, read more and stuff, but there's no religion about it. As in a set of rules. I don't like churches that preach all these rules and regulations that just continually condemn you. Because the Bible tells me that the blood of Jesus makes us perfect to do, in every way to do his will. So we're perfect in him. And I'm going to say this to you. There's a truth that we need to get used to, which is we need to keep speaking that. And we're going to look at that. And we have already seen it in our reading this morning. Um, well, we're going to see it, sorry, uh, in one of the, the verses that I have lined up here. We are complete in him. It's not that some of us get a better Jesus than others. Or some of us get more of Jesus than others. Does that make sense? When you are born again, we all get a perfect Jesus to come live in our hearts. Okay, there's no upgrade. There's no upgrade required because the Bible says the greater one indwells us. Okay, we already have, you know, I've used this illustration before and I'll do it again. We were talking about buying a new computer. And if you, if you know anything about computers, you know what, what I'm talking about. That sometimes if you're using your computer and you, you discover that you need something, a program or something, and you go think, well, where can I get that? And you go to uh, Curry's or PC World or Amazon or whatever. I'll buy that thing because that'll help enhance my computer. And then later on, you find out you've maybe paid 40, 50, 70, 90 pounds, whatever it is. You find out that that program was already on your computer. It was on your hard drive. You didn't know it. You already had it. And folks, that's what being a Christian is. Sometimes people come along, oh, you need to be more holy. You need to be more pure. You need to be all this. But folks, the one who is all those things is the one that lives in us. And he makes us complete. And we're already, in that sense, perfected in him. Now, we've got to walk it out. You know, you're not going to be um, an effective Christian if, you know, you're going out clubbing every night or watching EastEnders and all the junk in the telly. Um, and, you know, it's not going to happen if you're not positioned right with him. Amen? But it, you don't need... To, oh, I need to read 10 more chapters a day. I need to pray an extra half hour a day. All that. Religion will not perfect you. The blood of Jesus is what perfects you. And it's already happened. So, and I just want to say that. Now, let's get into where uh, I believe the Lord really wants us to go this morning. The blood makes you complete. We've seen that. But this is the one that I want us to focus the rest of our time on this morning. The blood of Jesus paid the price for your freedom and mine. The blood of Jesus paid the price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And it tells us there, let's just read it, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. If you're a Christian, your body is a temple. Okay? 
Your body is the house of God. Now, I know that we have this tradition say, where are you going this morning? Going to church and going to the house of God. But the spiritual reality is, if you, if you know Jesus, you're the house of God. Amen? So, you're going to meet other Christians in a building dedicated to God. But you are the house of God, individually and also collectively. We are the temple. Okay? And a, a temple is where and God is worshipped. And so we need to worship God with our bodies by living right, living clean and so on. Um, but look at the next verse. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. You're not your own, you're bought with a price. We're bought folks, we're blood-bought people. When we sing about the blood, we're singing about the thing that bought us back from sin, from eternal uh, lostness, from a lost eternity, and from a broken life. You know, let me just say this, if you're sitting here today and you don't have a broken life, you're blessed. Amen? I'm talking about you've had a broken life. Does that make sense? I know I have. Yeah? And, yeah. And other folks as well, yeah? Yes? Brokenness, folks. Uh, devastation. And that's what sin does. That's what darkness... You see, that's what a life without God will do to you. You're, 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 you're not just feeling lost, you are lost. But thank God he bought us with a price when he died on the cross. And that price, the most precious thing... Look, look, you see, well, how, how much does God love me? Here's the answer. Okay? Um... Let's just say, I've got this Bible here. Okay? Now, you might say to me, can I buy your Bible, Bill? And I might say, well, if you want, I'll give you a fiver for it. Well, no. It's worth more to me than a fiver. I paid more than a fiver for it, yeah? But, you know, you said to me, I'll give you £500 for it. Well, it's just a Bible, folks. I can replace it on Amazon for about 60 quid. So, amen, the deal's done. Because it's an economic law. The law of transaction is this. And we, we operate that law every day. Every single day. Which is that if you want something, if you desire something, and you're prepared to pay the price for it, then, then you do a transaction. You, you went into the shop this morning... Um, and maybe bought a packet of biscuits, yeah? Now, if those biscuits were £12 a packet, we wouldn't be eating them after the service became, oh, that's £12, you kidding me on? <laughs> but you'll, you'll pay the price because you deem that those biscuits are more valuable to you than whatever it is you pay for them. Does that make sense? You buy a car, you buy a house, it's the same thing. You will part with your precious money or you will part with something that you deem to be valuable because that thing that you swap is more valuable to you. Amen? So, uh, if I buy another one of these and it's what, 50, 60 quid, whatever it is, I will pay that because that's more precious to me. Or if I buy a new jacket and give, you know, marks out what, six quid, 
That jacket is more valuable to me than the money. It's the law of transactions. So I'm going to ask you a question. How much does God love me? Well, here's how much he loves you. The most precious thing he had, he paid for you. The life of his son. And the Bible tells us the life of the flesh is in the blood. So the blood of Jesus was the most precious thing in existence because Jesus, we talk about the incarnation, Jesus was the Word made flesh, he was a God made flesh. And the reason he was a man was that blood coursed through his veins. That price was paid for your salvation. That price was paid for you. So the most precious thing of all to God, which is the life of his son that flowed in his, the, Jesus' veins, he paid that price. Jesus paid the price. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit paid the price when Jesus shed his blood for you. And when he did, he redeemed you. That word redeemed uh, means to buy back. Okay? It's like when you go to the pawn shop and you redeem stuff. You hand your gold ring, whatever it is, to the pawnbroker and he gives you a loan. But if that thing's precious to you, you'll go back and redeem it. Amen? Well, Jesus redeemed us with his precious blood. You are bought with a price. And that price, of course, was his blood. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. Let's look at that. Tells us the same thing. First Peter chapter 1 says here, verse 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. God didn't give uh, tons and tons of gold and silver for us. Amen. It wasn't a physical price he paid in that respect of, of physical wealth, gold, silver, platinum, whatever it was. We weren't redeemed with that. We were redeemed, it says, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, verse 19, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. With precious blood. That's what he bought us back. The blood of the lamb, we call it. The lamb, of course, was Jesus. And he was crucified and shed his blood on the cross that we would be redeemed and bought back for God. We weren't redeemed and bought back just from sin, from the devil, from, from the kingdom of darkness. And left there, we were redeemed and bought back for God, for the Father. Amen? So that's the glorious truth. We were bought with a price. We were redeemed. We were in the pawn shop and we were bought back, if you like. Amen? It's not a great analogy, but you understand you, you, you redeem, or in other words, we use as ransom. We ransom. You are ransomed by the precious blood of Jesus. Now, let's just go back in the Old Testament, Psalm 107, verse 2. So I want to show you something in here very quickly. Psalm 107. We'll start from verse 1. We'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. His mercy endureth forever. 
you know, you might be sitting there today and saying to yourself, oh, you know what? I've done something. It's all very well, preacher. You're talking about God's mercy, but you don't know what I've done, friends. You don't know what I've done. I've talked talking yesterday about a time when I was backsliding. And as I said, I knew how to backslide. You know, some of us know how to party. Amen? Some of us know how to do stuff. Okay? And it's not always righteous stuff. It's not always holy stuff. We know how to mess up. Okay? Some of us are professionals at messing up. We could give lectures on it. Now I remember in one place I worked, I'm talking years ago now, I'm not talking about last week or a couple of years ago, I'm talking a ago. And I went to this place and they, they, they all admired me because I was a Christian. You know, and it's, a, it's a workplace, they're all quite rough and, you know, just guys and women and it's, you know, one of those, just an ordinary place. But I would, I would go and sit in the canteen and read my Bible. Well, they're all looking at page three, and that shows you how long ago that was, and, and other stuff, and you know, cussing and whatever. I'm sitting reading my Bible, and I'm, I'm the holy man in the place, okay? And uh, they, they all admire me, they're all nice at it. Oh, we really admire you. You make a stand, you know, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't nasty. Another place I walked in, I get beat up. Amen? But they were nice in this place. But I backslid when I was there. A long time ago now. And one guy, I'll never ever forget, he says, you know what he says? You're a born again demon. Because they just couldn't believe when I backslid how, how, you know, how bad that. You see, you might be sitting there today saying, well, you know what, you don't know the life I've lived. But God does. And I say this in a way that you, please, you need to understand what I mean. He doesn't care how bad you are or how bad you've been or what you've done that, that nobody knows about. He doesn't care if you'll turn to him. That's what I mean. He doesn't care how bad you are. It's like, well, I've already made provision. I've already dealt with that. My mercy endures forever. Okay? You can't exhaust it. And, you know, please don't die, folks, uh, by sh- in a place where you're shunning it. But if you turn to him, and, you know, we don't have, I, I, I just need to announce, that big cupboard back there, that's not a confessional box. <laughs> Amen? So you don't have to come tell pastor what you well, well, I'm, I'm going to give confession of friends. You just repent, get right with God, and then that's it. Okay? So, nobody here wants to know about your past, and I ain't going to tell you about mine. Amen? Anyway, so it says here, his message is, this is where I want to go with this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let those who have been bought back with the blood of Jesus say so. We talk a lot in the Christian faith about giving a witness or having a testimony or testifying. What that simply means is we speak what's happened to us 
when we encountered the God whose mercy endures forever and he washed us in the blood of his son. That's what should be on our lips. What the blood of Jesus has done for you. Oh, let me tell you about your past. Who cares? If it's under the blood, speak the blood. I'm talking this morning about the blood, the voice of the blood. Okay, let's talk about what Jesus has done for us, not what we did. Or how bad we are. Let's talk about how wonderful and gracious and merciful and powerful he is to deliver us from that bondage, that past. If you are a Christian, you don't have a sinful past. It's been cleansed and remitted by the blood of the Lamb. Now you know what happened, and maybe the devil remembers it, but God chooses, and I don't know how he does it, because he's the God of the impossible, he chooses to absolutely wipe it from his memory. Amen? He lets you talk about it. You know, some people have a great testimony. They say, oh, I was in the gangs, I did this, I killed people, whatever. You know, and God will let them testify. But he holds no personal memory of it. And so you and I should, in a sense, we beat ourselves up. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The voice of the blood. I choose rather, I mean, I was using it as a reference, thought about that time in particular when I was backslid. But, you know, I would rather stand here today and say, well, but let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Amen? Let me tell you how he saved me and healed me and delivered me and set me free. And that's what we should be. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Now that enemy, of course, is the devil, Satan, whatever. All the names he goes by. We are delivered from his hand. And that should be what's on our lips. The voice of the blood should be on our lips. The blood of Jesus. I am the redeemed of the Lord should be what we say. And you know, I'll tell you when you ought to say it, all the time. But you also, especially ought to say it when you're under attack or under condemnation or someone says to you, I remember when you were such and such. Amen? Now, that place I worked in, you know, I'm quite sure if I bumped into some of them and they remember me, they would be going, oh, I remember you. Started off reading the Bible and ended up being the biggest toe rag in the place. I would say, well, you know what? I'm back to reading the Bible. Amen. I'm no longer backslidden. Because I've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Amen. So, anyway, praise the Lord. That's a, that's a great truth. Now, let's just continue. We started off in a reading Revelation 5. Don't worry, there's only about an hour to go. Revelation 5. Um, so let's just go there very quickly as we close this off. Revelation chapter 5. It's a great chapter because it, it speaks, it brings in everything that we've been look, looking at, okay? And you might have said, well, that was quite wild, that revelation stuff. It's full of all these, you know, beasts and uh, all, all the thunderings and earthquakes and all these things, seals and trumpets and angels and everything. That is a mystical book, okay? I just wanted to look at some things in here. It says here in verse 4, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. But look what it says here. One of the elders says to me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, 
the root of David has prevailed. This is Jesus he's talking about. Has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Uh, and then it goes on to describe the lamb as it had been slain. And then look, look at this verse 9. They sung a new song saying, You are worthy to take the book. This is the saints, by the way, the, the Christians, the, the, the redeemed of the Lord. You are worthy to op- take the book and open the seals thereof. Watch this. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations. You were slain to buy us back. You were slain that your shed blood brought me, bought me from darkness and sin and hell and the grave, all these things. Out of every kindred, tribe, nation. You know, what he's saying is, it wasn't all just the same people. Okay? Prodies and Catholics. Muslims. All different faiths. Atheists. In other words, everybody, all the different people groups, we've been redeemed. And there's, there's a story on social media right now, don't know if some of you have seen it on Facebook or whatever, about a guy who was a leader, I think a founder, but certainly a leader, of a big Satanist cult. Become a Christian. Okay? And you know why he said, he said, because I saw unconditional love in the Christians. Well, I've got to be honest and say, don't know what church he was going to. Because I know a whole bunch of church, churches where you wouldn't see that. But praise God, he did. Amen? And you know, you see it here. But there's a whole bunch of churches that I've been to, you wouldn't see it. Especially with all these tattoos and stuff like that. You can't come in here, you've got tattoos. You can't come in here because your skirt's too short. You can't come in here because you're a wee bit too uncouth for us. There'll be churches like that. You can't come in here because you're sitting in my seat. I heard Ray say to me earlier on, sit where you want. You know, you go to some churches and that's what they say. You come in the door, sit up wherever you want, but no in my seat. As long as you don't sit in my seat, you sit in my seat, I'll get the elders to throw you out. <laughs> Redeemed us. You see, when you come into church, who you were before doesn't matter. What you were before doesn't matter. And we ought to understand that even if there was good stuff about who and what we were before, you might have been an upstanding citizen. Okay? Or you might have been the biggest Torag or even worse, a scumbag. But the minute you come and, and get washed in the blood of Jesus, you become part of God's family, God's community, and you're accepted in the beloved, the Bible says, and you ought to be accepted in church. A true church, that is. Now, you don't come in and, you know, start being some kind of head case. That's not a, a, it's not a license for people to be. But isn't it good to know that there's this community that it speaks about here. They're singing a song here. You've redeemed us out of every community, every tribe, every nation, every kind of background. 
You know, I'm going to say this. It might shock some of you. God will even accept Celtic supporters. <laughs> and, and party Thistle supporters. Not that there are that many. <laughs> God will accept anybody. But on his terms, folks. And it's through the, through the precious shed blood of Jesus. And have made us to our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We're redeemed for a purpose, and that purpose is to be kings and priests on the earth. Which means that we, we reign in him. The Bible says we reign as a king like Jesus Christ. And priest simply means that we are people who stand in the gap between God and other people. And we'll be speaking a lot, I'm just going to close with us. On our Saturday morning meetings, a gathering, we call it, about how God's heart is for multitudes and nations. Let's never be content as you sit in a church where there's empty seats. The only church I believe that God is pleased with is standing room only. And if it gets that bad, we can have a second service and a third service and we can buy a bigger building. Amen. That ought to be our heart because we ought not be content sitting in here having a nice breakfast, listening to fantastic preaching like this. <laughs> Amen. But people out there don't know Jesus. We ought not be content with that. So that's why we pray. Because we want, we start at, oh, we want people in, to join our church. We want people to come into this relationship with the Lord Jesus. That they can say along with us, I am the redeemed of the Lord. I'm bought with a price. And my body is a temple and so on. So praise the Lord. Hope that was of blessing to you. We're going to continue looking at the precious blood in, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, not every week, but we, we will be returning to this theme. Amen. Well, folks.